0: everyone, happy Friday to you all. It's me, The Vern, before we begin this latest episode of Cinema Recall with special guest Jim of Film Rage to talk about Dawn of the Dead. Just gotta do some quick little housekeeping things here. So, during this show, I mentioned that we have one more episode after this, but we don't because my scheduling got messed up, so the episode that was recorded before this one was technically gonna be our last show but that's not the case now this one is also during the actual show with jim my microphone was put at the wrong setting, and it's gonna sound a little bit different kind of hollow but still good i apologize we are coming back strong next year 2022 i've got a new co-host Ash who with special appearances by Donnie Roberts, uh, who is a voice actor from the fours of crowd comedy sitcom, and that's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're going to do like some more live YouTube shows and other events. It's going to be really, really cool. Can't wait for you to hear that. Um, also, check it out, folks. A huge thing that's happened. Cinema Recall has now reached over 4,000 followers on Twitter, and that is amazing, Thank you everyone so much for following us and checking our show. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Don't forget that coming up on our Patreon page, we're going to do a tribute to Director Paul Thomas Anderson, which I'm calling PTA Meetings. So I'm going to post a whole bunch of episodes there that will eventually lead their way to the main page. So definitely check that out, uh, patreon.com slash cinema recall pod uh before i get to the show i need to give some quick shout outs to some amazing people who have retweeted our last episodes and i thank these people immensely so i want to thank spy hearts podcast podcast hq uh Munson at the movies um invasion of the remake after movie diner movie drone podcast ryan l terry force of crowd podcast Mr. J at R-U-I for the Ace Colt 85. Cult Connections. Trivia Chick. Colby told me. Dwight from the Broken Brain Podcast. Binge Movies. Josh of your next favorite movie, Coffee After Dark. It Goes Down in the PM. Wine, Dine, and Storytime. Crime and Roses Podcast. Podcastic Audio. The Chris and Christine Show. Movie Date Night. Science Fidget Remnant. Saturday Morning Pod. Well Kept and Unclean, Manic Pitsy Weirdo Podcast, Great Beers Jewels, A Step into the Unknown, Infectious Groove Podcast, The Podcast That Wouldn't Die, Game for a Movie Podcast, Shot and Applaud, and finally... Pod Nation, thank you very much for retweeting our last episodes or sharing stuff. I appreciate it very, very much. I uh, didn't mention this on the show, but if you want to hear more of me talking about Dawn of the Dead, you should definitely check out Pop Art Podcast. Uh, Find that on Stitcher, Spotify, Podchaser, Buzz Podcast, hosted by Howard Kasner, and both me and him talk about two movies where people are stuck inside of a mall i chose dawn of the dead and he chose another one called knock so yeah if you want to hear more of dawn of the dead uh definitely check out popper podcast and that's it for right now so let's not dabble anymore and get on into the show enjoy this podcast is a proud member of the let's chat club find out how you can become a member by going to the website let's this podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, spoilers, and some brief nudity so printer guidance is adjusted.
1: We have such sights
2: to show you.
1: After about five minutes of this movie you're gonna wish you had 10 beers.
2: I'm such. And? And there are many gifts in the world and many times as well. But I Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Listen, Walter. I you. made a great reporter out of you, Hildy, but you won't behave as good on any other paper, and you know it. We're any a team, what we are. You need me, and I need you, and the paper needs us. All Americans.
1: So, what would you little maniacs like to do first?
2: Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? Oh well. La <laughs> di da, la di da, la la. Yeah.
0: Welcome back to the Cinema Recall podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm your host, The Vern, and we are back for yet another fun-filled episode. This time, we're talking about George A. Romero's Rats. And I brought with me Jim from the wonderful podcast, the Film Rage Podcast. Hello Jim, how are you doing today?
1: Hey buddy, I'm doing fabulous.
0: I should note, too, that we are not talking about uh, Kevin Smith's Dawn of the Dead. No, we're actually talking about George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 horror masterpiece, as I would say that uh, probably... I know that Night of the Living Dead was sort of like the catalyst of zombie movies, but I do think that Dawn is sort of like the, the granddaddy. This is the one that a lot of horror aficionados and horror fans list as probably maybe their first favorite zombie movie. Um, before we get into this a little bit more, Jim, uh, Film Rage. Yeah. How long have you been doing this show for? It seems like a while.
1: Ah, uh, A couple of years now, yeah. yeah? We, um, we started in no end of November two years ago before mm-hmm. the COVID, as we like to say. The COVID.
0: The COVID. Sounds like and, a band dance uh, craze.
1: It is. It's uh. It's you can dance to it, and sometimes you don't make it through. But uh. But yeah. We so we've been doing it for coming up on two years. I guess we're celebrating our second anniversary coming up. But you know we don't look at it in years. We look at that. You know, film rage is a mindset. Film rage is a, is a, a way of life. So.
0: Because when I first heard of the show, I really thought that the whole premise of the show is you just get mad at movies you hate. And that's not where yeah. I thought the whole thing like, <laughs> well, this movie sucks, and this movie sucks, and fuck this movie, and blah, this movie, this thing.
1: Well, there is some of that in it. Yeah. Uh, we do have, an, uh, we have a section in it where we talk about that, but uh, it's funny, all three of us, um, myself and Bryce, our two hosts, and Murray, our producer, and uh, sound dude, and, you know, the everyman, as we call Murray, or the merman. Um... We all have very short fuses on certain things, so it doesn't ta- <laughs> it doesn't take much to make us rage. So,
0: <laughs> well, it's we're going to have, you know, because you're passionate about movies, and that's the one thing I listen for when I listen for a podcast or listen to a podcast. Now, I listen for a podcast. You're not a train that's coming my way, although you could be a train. But I listen to people who are passionate about movies, and if you love something or you dislike something. I want you to tell me your opinions about something. I don't want a movie podcast that sort of tips toes around things. Yeah. I was afraid to say, I really say if we don't like something that's totally fine. I mean, we're movie fans. There are going to be things that I like that you don't. And there's going to be things that you like that I don't. And that's just totally fine. Let's just get into it. You know, let's rip on each other for a little bit there, but do it all in fun. You know, we can tease each other without being mean spirited about things and you know not have to like call names or attack people yeah it can be done just done in fun and that's what i love the most about it So
1: yeah for sure i I couldn't agree more
0: you know and i would urge everyone to head over to the site filmrageyyc.com what does the yyc stand for
1: so yyc like all um airport codes it's our airport code for north america i guess for the world oh every every airport code And, and it's funny uh as far as our city like we live in the city calgary alberta canada and of all the cities in canada we're the only one that like if you talk to anybody who lives in calgary everything is yyc like we just made it kind of our hashtag for everything so it's uh and even the people from Canada they make fun of us. Well you got sir, you guys are all about YYC. I'm like, because yeah, we like to fly away to other places <laughs> So we always know where we gotta end up coming back to. But uh yeah, so it it's uh if you're in I think Edmonton's Y E. G yeah. I don't know what Toronto is, I try to forget Toronto. I think most people know Canada about Toronto, but they think they're the center of the universe, but we don't, so so it's it's why it's yyc YYC? just just know that
0: airport quotes i I had no idea about that but that's awesome uh so really quickly jim i have to ask you is there one movie that you like that like Bryce and murray do not
1: hmm that Bryce and murray you know that's a tough one it's tough um i think that um maybe they don't love keanu reeves as much as i do fair enough okay I'm a very big Keanu Reeves fan. He's my man crush or one of my man crushes. And uh, and I don't think they – so I can't – you know what? I can't think of one. Although if you go on our website and go to our reviews page, we, re, we make note of every single movie that we've seen that's on the podcast in that year. And it's easy to figure out. You can just go say, oh, well, this is a movie that Jim gave a mondo. And Bryson Murray gave it a rage. So, <laughs> but yeah. I can't. I can't remember one off the top okay.
0: of my head. Cause... Well, I, I am kind of because uh, your most recent episode, you know, does talk about Ghostbusters, and I have not oh, yet a yeah. chance to hear that. That's not my list right now. There's too many of the podcasts. Um, but uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Did you all agree on that's... that one or disagree on that? No. One? Well,
1: well, it, that's that's always funny. So me and um, Bryce are what what some people might call film nerds and sure. we're, we're film snobs at times so it's all about um like our, our choice to go to films would be either a horror or b dramas and usually international dramas which is really not at Maurice um <laughs> in Maurice's wheelhouse at all sure murray's more uh the everyman like his favorite movie uh is the movie that you know the Hot, the average Joe or average Jill on the street loves. that. That's the movies that Murray likes. He's he's into pop culture. He's a pop guy. So he's a so,
0: very big fan of Mr. Popper's Penguins when that came out, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Although I don't think he likes Jim Carrey. So oh, I don't okay. think he would have loved that one as well. That's another thing about Murray that's a bit of one of his quirks. If he likes somebody, it doesn't matter whether or not the movie is great, he's going to like it. Like we always make fun of him for Ryan Reynolds because. You know, as much as Ryan Reynolds is the poster child for Canada and we love him as a person, uh, I think lately almost every movie he makes is what we call Deadpool light. So it's (laughs) – so whereas it doesn't matter with Marie. Marie's is madly in love with Ry-Ry. So he – you
0: should watch The Buried with him. That's a different –
1: Yeah. Well, see, he hasn't seen it. But, you know, that was a movie that both Bryce and I absolutely loved because it's not the typical – um, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. and he did an amazing job in that role. But everything else is pretty much Deadpool Light, and you know, we've already seen Deadpool, mm-hmm. so we don't need to see him in another movie doing another Deadpool Light, it's just not worth it. <laughs> there. All
0: right, very cool, very cool. Uh, like I said before, check out all their reviews and podcasts over on the site of Film Rage YYC. Uh, are also found on Twitter around the same name too, Film Rage YYC on there. Uh, definitely check them out. Great show. Great situations. Great banter between all of them. All right, folks. What we're going to do right now is take a small little break. I got to play some quick ads from some really other amazing podcast shows. And then we'll be back to talk about George G. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. After these messages, we'll be right
1: back. Hey, podcast lover. Have you checked out the Great Pop Culture Debate? If not, you're missing out on episodes
2: ranging from Best One-Hit Wonder of the 70s and 80s, Best Sitcom Theme Song, Best Breakfast Cereal, and Best Clue Movie Quote, among many others. If you like movies, music,
1: TV, and games, if you live for friends playfully dragging each other to make a point, and if you want a podcast where you get a say, check us out on your podcast platform of choice, or head to greatpopculturedebate.com for episodes, polls, and more. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion.
0: check out piecing it together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com you can also follow us on social media at piecingpod piecing it together is a part of the all points west podcast
2: network in 1968 george romero brought us night of the living dead It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. Dawn of the Dead. Night of the living dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. They must be destroyed on sight! When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Dawn of the Dead. This picture contains scenes of violence that may be considered shocking. No one under 17 will be admitted.
0: Alright everyone, welcome back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. You just heard a small trailer ...from Dawn of the Dead. Uh, this is George G. Romero's follow-up to Night of the Living Dead. Uh, this one stars... And I list, wrote this down here right now. It stars David M.G., Ken Forey, Scott H. Reinecker, and Galen Ross... ...as a team of survivors who hold themselves up at a mall... ...and they have to deal with the living dead that have been swarming the area... It's George A. Romero's uh, satire on consumerism, and it's just a lot of fun. It's a great action-adventure piece. Uh, Now, really quickly there, Jim, when did you first see this movie?
1: I saw it the summer it came out. You did? Oh, damn. Yeah, I did. So, because I'm old as fuck, so people – I may not act old as fuck, but I am old as fuck, so – Uh, When it first came out, though, I I was too young because I think I was like 12, 13 years old when it came out. And I tried so many times to sneak into this movie. It's not funny. So I ended up buying the – like, back then, they would put out a book that was basically the movie. And I actually bought it in hardcover. Yeah. I bought it in hardcover and – uh, it was through, like, you know how they had, have you ever heard of, like, Columbia House? They had the record club. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Or the tape or CD club. Yeah, so so they had a book club, and it was the same thing. So when they knew that Dawn of the Dead was coming out, and I was a big fan of Fangoria and a lot of those early horror, um, you know, sort of magazines. So I knew it was coming. And, and so me and my best friend at the time, we tried our damnness to sneak in, but we just couldn't. So we bought the book, and I must have read it three times. I was, like, in love, because I was a huge fan of Night at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd seen that a hundred times. And and so the almost like the very last day, and the amount of times the guy at the at the local movie house had caught us sneaking in, <laughs> I think he was kind of throwing us a bone because he, he basically – I'm sure he knew that we had snuck in, but he let us watch it. So it was like – it was, to me – obviously the, the most important moment in my life, uh, other than when I saw Star Wars in, in cinemas for the first time when it came out. But for me, Dawn of the Dead has been my favorite movie of all times since then. Like, oh. it, it is, anybody who knows me, they know my favorite movie is Dawn of the Dead. I live it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> every exactly.
0: day. <God>. That is <laughs> yeah. very, very cool. Uh, I, I, I do remember, like, growing up seeing the V-Jet's Botsarts. Of Dawn of the Dead, but I never watched it too much later. See, my horror thing was watching Nightmare on Elm Street oh, and yeah. Friday the 13th and Halloween. Slashers. And lot, yep. of, yeah, exactly. A lot of the slasher stuff. And I've seen just Dawn just picking around the corner. And I saw like, scenes from Nate of the Living Dead with my folks before. But I just never saw any of Dawn. I've seen bits and images of Day of the Dead as well. And I always got them confused. Like, I I put elements from Day of the Dead with Dawn of the Dead. So when I did finally get to see Dawn of the Dead, which I honestly did not see until, like, 2004 when the movie came out.
1: Okay.
0: Because it was one of those movies that has been released on DVD. Like, I remember as a kid on VHS... And then, throughout the years, uh, when I did start working at a video store, they sort of like went away from VHS to DVD, and there really wasn't a good official copy of mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead yeah. on no, DVD right. until that remake came out. Mm-hmm. And then when the remake came out, they actually did have for sale uh, George Romero's original Dawn of the Dead on Anchor Bay, and I bought that before I actually saw the remake. And I was just absolutely in love with the movie. Uh, I think what I love the best about Dawn of the Dead is the characters.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the four, our, our four leads in the movie. And yeah. I just really love their dynamic. I love their growth. And what surprised me most about watching it for the first time and watching it again uh, for the show is the fact that uh, – you sometimes forget that there are zombies there. Like, I get really yeah. into the drama of the characters that I almost yeah. forget that there are zombies. Uh, there is a key moment. And I mentioned this before the show that we do put spoilers in here. So if you've not seen Dawn of yeah. the Dead, first of all, what are you doing on my site and my podcast if you've not seen <laughs> Dawn of the Dead? You should watch this movie. It's amazing. But what makes me most of this time is after they got all the zombies out – and they have that montage where they're like going to play video games and yep. shopping and the dinner dates and you see a little bit more problems between um, I want to say it's like uh, Fran Dylan Ross's character and um, David M G. Uh, yeah, the David M G. Flyboy. You see their problems yes. as a couple. Um, and then like uh, Ken Forty is doing his tennis. And just forget about the world. Everyone sort of forgot about the zombies. In a way, they sort of become like the consumers that the zombies yep. were. And then yep. there's that moment when he's like done playing tennis and a ten- tennis ball falls and he realizes that, oh shit, the zombies are still there.
1: The world is happening
0: outside. Yeah, That's like, uh, in a way, this, totally watching this time, it reminds me of people doing the whole gated communities, like locking themselves in. From all yeah. the stuff that's around them and stuff that they want to avoid, and they thought that well, if we lock ourselves in, we can just not worry about the outside world. And that Yeah,
1: just... and, and it's funny, funny when you think about it too, right? Like, there's times where I mean, I've watched this movie so many times, like probably close to a thousand times, no, easily. Mm-hmm. And and every time I watch it, I still find something different, you know. It, but you think this is a movie even for today. And, you know, what's happening with COVID, yeah. right? Like, it's like people are living in this, in, in this now, this world that they're forgetting that COVID exists, and then you get a new variant that comes out, right? And it's like, oh, fuck, man, this is, <laughs> it, it, there's so much wisdom in every single thing that Romero does, I I just, I, I'm just blown away at how intelligent he is. And yet, you know, some people, when I first saw this movie, I I thought, you know, this is a zombie movie. It's just people eating, getting eaten. And then, you know, when you're 12 or 13 and you see a movie, it, it has a whole different mentality than when you see it as an adult and you can absorb the, the greater purpose of the movie. And I, I 100% agree with your comments about the characters. Yeah. I think this movie uh, helped me to really form my love of movies and my love of characters. So whenever, for me, I can absolutely hate a movie, Because the script is bad, the direction is bad, but if the characters are developed in a really meaningful way, I can actually – it can turn my rating on a film because I'm such a character-driven person, right?
0: What's really cool too is that uh, while they're shooting the movie, uh, George Romero allowed his actors to interpret the script and change what they thought was right for the characters or not – um, mm-hmm. There's even like a sequence when uh, Galen Ross's character is upset with the boys, says she feels like left out, and she wants to be trained on guns and how fly helicopter. Uh, well, that was in response to Galen feeling left out because all the guys were there and they're just, like having fun and laughing and joking that they are the leads in this like this macho action movie, and Galen feeling left out. And you know George can actually see that, and they had a conversation. It's like, well, right. well, let's add your frustration to that character and build her up a little bit more. Cause I I thought that her character was really great. I love the arc. I love everyone's arc in this. Yeah, It's very astound right there too. And they go from being uh, not non sure to kind of like overly sure of themselves to. Doing what they feel yeah. is right. And, well. and
1: hoarding and like the whole thing of protectionism and and all of that, right? Which kind of ultimately gets them somewhat in trouble, right? Yeah. Like in yeah. Flyboy's case, right? Mm-hmm. It's like where he, he needs to protect what's his instead of saying, you know what? Maybe this isn't a hill I need to die on. I can go live somewhere else. And, uh, it comes back to
0: bite him in the ass, literally. Well, yeah, too, because even the beginning of the movie, too, when Galen is trying to, sorry, Fran, I should say, is trying to, uh, do more things, uh, he gets really kind of upset because he sees himself Mm -hmm. as being, like, the provider and the one that has to do all the right things. Like, uh... When I want to say that you're gonna help me out with these, the character's name, but I I still I still people from actors' names, and that's why I always say oh, oh Fran? Play. You mean Fran, like you're
1: talking Fran. Well, well I'm,
0: I'm, no, I'm talking about the uh, characters played by Steven? Ken Forey and Scott I. I oh, they Peter
1: are, and Roger. Peter yeah. and Roger.
0: So when Peter and Roger are uh, you know going out to do you know their chores and hunt zombies and um I want to say uh Galen Ross's husband. What's his name again? Steven. Steven, thank you. Steve. So when Steven wants to go out, and ha- Steven actually feels like he wants to, like, go out, and, you know, Fran's like, no, just stay here and help me. He's like, I'll be right back. No, I gotta I got be with the guys. And yeah. It's funny, too, when he actually does go out to help out, he messes up a lot.
1: Of course he does, because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. They, and they showed that earlier in the film, right? When uh, Ken Foray had to put a gun in his face to say, you know, and says, how does that feel? Yeah. Right? Like, how does it feel when looking down the barrel of a gun, especially when you don't know what the fuck you're doing? Right? Okay. Like he's thinking he's helping, but he doesn't have the skills yet to be able to help. Yeah. And and Galen has the same sort of issue that she wants to help, but she doesn't have it. And that's that brings to a point when they actually have that uh, discussion about her actually training to also drive the helicopter. It seemed like Ken and Roger – or like I should say, Peter and Roger's character, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, we don't need to fly a helicopter, but she wanted to make sure if something happens to Steven, right, that yep. she's got a way out.
0: Very right there, too. And we should mention, too, um, that both uh, Stephen and Fran, they work for a television station. Yep. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think she's, like, the line producer, and he's the... Yeah, I don't know tele- their
1: roles, actually. Yeah, it's like... Yeah,
0: I think you're right. She's, she's obviously part of the production team. Yeah, sure. she's, she's not a newscaster, but she's definitely part of the production of the camera crew because uh, yeah, I know she communicates to other people. She's like the ground floor communication between her and the switchboard <laughs> operator guy. And then uh, you have uh, Roger. No, wait. David. No, God, David guy. Why, why, why am I blanking on his name? Steven. Steven. Steven, yeah. So ba- I, I keep confusing Steven and Roger. Okay, so Steven's the helicopter pilot. Yep. You know, he's the one that probably does all like, the traffic reports. and So yep. he's got the transportation. Well, he's probably just
1: the pilot. He probably doesn't actually get to say anything. He's right. probably just the pilot.
0: You're right. right? He probably is right there. Uh, and then he meets up with uh Roger and Peter And they are both uh, the SWAT team unit, I guess. What do we call them? Because I know they are are in the beginning of the movie where they raid this apartment unit uh, that is full of uh, zombies. Apparently this apartment unit has been keeping the undead alive and been feeding them there. Yep. What would you call their role? Are they army? Are they SWAT?
1: Yeah, I don't think I. Uh, I got the impression they weren't army. I got the impression they were police officers. They were police officers. And whether officer. or not they were, I think they were just like the tactical unit. I okay. don't know if they're necessarily SWAT per se, because because they they couldn't have been actually SWAT, because because you think of the one young kid that joins the team, that you know, Rogers having the conversation with him. He's like, hey man, just take a chill. I got your back and then he stands up and gets his head blown up,
0: right?
1: Yeah. So it's like that. The, they couldn't be the same level as SWAT because that would have never happened. Do you okay. know what I mean? So you got to think they're just grunts that yeah. are actually working, working the street and cleaning up the shit that's happening, right? Because...
0: Yeah, the only thing that really kind of confused me is how did they all know each other? Because I know that... Uh, Roger So and Roger Peter there. I yeah, get that. Well, Roger and Steven.
1: Roger and Steven are
0: friends. They're they're friends. Right? Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. that's okay. So
1: yeah, cuz they, cuz if you remember the conversation with Roger and Peter in the basement, he says I I have some friends that that are going to go. And okay. You know, okay. He doesn't he doesn't have uh like at the time Peter doesn't have a connection. Mm-hmm. To the group he's introduced, and and really for him, this is an interesting part of the story that I, if I had to say there was any flaw in the story, is that Roger meets Peter for the first time and they have this connection so close that he decides he's going to run away with with Peter, and and invite him to come along. And I, I'm almost thinking, it's because he knows that Peter's going to fucking kick some ass. Like they need some muscle on this group because Roger's not very, you know. He's a cop, but he's yeah. not, like, six foot five and a motherfucker, <laughs> right? Like 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 Ken Foray's character Peter is. So he's probably thinking, yeah, we should, if we're going to run, we should probably have some <clears> muscle, <throat> right?
0: Oh, yeah. No. I, I love that right there. Uh, but, hey, you know, sometimes when you meet someone and when you're out killing zombies, you just form that friendship, that bondship, and I'm pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. sure <laughs> – that's what Peter and Roger had just, like, right away. It's like the scene in Showgirls after yeah. uh, Nomi hits uh, Molly's car, and then she runs off the street, and Molly has to save her, and Molly throws up on her, and they have that moment where they look at each other. <laughs> and they formed a bondship friendship there. It's a right there. it similar thing. You know, you, yeah, you, you form like bondships whenever and gross stuff happens.
1: make you <laughs> – Nothing like vomit and blood to bring you closer together. <laughs> like I'm, I'm
0: pretty sure if if we met each other in real life gym after, you know, we shot and killed a bunch of zombies, we'd, we'd form a bond ship like that. We've been like long time brothers.
1: Yep.
0: For like a long we do time. The high,
1: the high grip, just slack, smack,
0: smack,
1: hands clasp. Yes. Brother, let's kill some motherfucking zombies together. That's right.
0: Then there we do the whole like uh, Rocky III montage. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> we jump in the water, <laughs> we jump high, hug each other, and there's music in the background. Oh, fuck yeah. Montage.
0: Well, you are mentioning too, Jim, about you know, how a lot of things happen like with COVID and all that seems relevant to the day. And I'm speaking a little bit more about the biker gain that comes hmm. into place because after the whole group gets everything locked down – and they have, like, sort of this shangla, you know, their perfect locked-in gated community. Uh, then we find out that there's, like, this biker gang that sees the helicopter on the roof and sees that, hey, there's probably our survivors in there. And they come in. And I always mention this, too. I always felt that the biker gang sort of, like, they don't really believe in the zombies that much. Like, they don't believe, like, the they, they always seem like anti-vaxxers.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. It totally well, but to them it doesn't affect them. Right. Yeah. And and that's and that's kinda of the anti vaxxers, anti maskers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they believe it's not true. And you know, we've got stories up here in Canada and some of my friends are nurses that are like they've seen people come into the hospital, they've got fucking COVID, they go in intensive care and they're like on their deathbed and they're like, You're not gonna put anything in me. I don't have COVID. It doesn't exist. It's a it's a it's a ploy by the government, and they're like, "Dude, you're in a hospital right now. You can't breathe. What what fucking disease do you think you have? Yeah. <laughs> right? It, it, like, what's kill? If it's not COVID, which I'm telling you it is, then what disease is it? Make something up. It's called that. But either way, I gotta put you, I've gotta put uh, a mask on you, and I gotta put you in a coma so you can survive.
0: Yeah. I, I imagine uh, the thing that really uh, puts into perspective for me is that guy that keeps checking his blood pressure in the movie. He's a guy that yeah. doesn't believe in the disease or doesn't believe in yeah. zombies. He's gonna keep checking his blood pressure. And like, watching this gotcha. time, I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy that just like to wear masks and doesn't get really yeah. da- vaccinated. He's gonna do whatever and even when he's getting like ripped apart, he feels like he intervenes about the whole thing. Like, oh, damn it, I'm just being ripped apart by zombies here. Damn it,
1: my blood pressure's high right now.
0: Like, goddamn <laughs> government conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> Take away my freedom well, right there.
1: Oh, well, You know, as a gang, you know, zombies weren't a problem for them. No, no. Right. Like, yeah. if you think of, you know, even the, some of the scenes of the, uh, I don't for lack of a better word, the hillbillies out in the, you know, with their pickup trucks driving around in gangs just, you know, cab, gathering up the zombies. They're slow moving. Right. Like, and, you know, bringing in some from from night. Right. Yeah. If they're moving slow and they're not and it's not a problem. Especially yeah. if you got, if if your hobby is killing people, right? <laughs> it's like okay, whatever, yeah, this is this is no big deal for me. We're just gonna drive around, and steal shit, take what we want. Yeah, it's it's Although not a problem.
0: Although I had a problem with them wasting all that good pie on zombies.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I was a little shocked by the fact that you know there wasn't any other. They had a lot of cream pies. There wasn't any really good cherry pies, okay. which, you know, is one of my favorites. I was hoping that – although, you know, the redness of the zombies' blood on their faces kind of looked like a bit like cherries, That's maybe. That's true. I'm probably sure
0: they used that as well. Uh, now, I know you've seen this movie, at least like over a thousand times. Have you watched the other versions of this movie? Because there's, oh. like, a European cut, and there's, like, the yes. aesthetic cuts. I have the
1: box set. I have the box set. So I they, do they Put a box set up. Yeah, they have the, um, uh, not Falchi, Um Argento. Argento. Yep. Yeah, because Argento was a big part of this film, right? It, if it wasn't for Argento, this film would never have been made. But didn't and he like, his respect?
0: Oh, yeah, I cut of you off, Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of his money, right? Like Argento uh, was a big influence on this film getting made, and they became fast friends uh, through this movie. So. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I've seen every
0: every version of it. It's, I've seen. It but. is funny too, because like I know it's because I just rewatched part of the European cut because on my disc that's the one that has the cast commentary, hmm. and that's like a lot of fun Listen to that. But when you watch the theatrical, and then you watch the European cut, the European cut moves at a little bit more of a swifter pace. Yeah, and which is unusual. A lot of it has to do with, like, Goblin's score. And yeah. there are, like, scenes that are cut out of the theatrical, and then there are scenes and alternate tapes that are added into the European cut that's not in the theatrical. Uh, I do know that one of the two themes I noticed that were cut from the European version was the moment when they are at the helicopter airport pad. Uh, mm-hmm. The moment when the zombie is crawling across by where the helicopter is and yeah, gets, his, gets head his head taken yeah. off. I know that's cut out of the European version. And I've also noticed, too, that there's a sequence when Fran is at the J- J. Penney's doors and this nun gets her skirt caught. Yep. And she's looking at this boy, this zombie boy, and kind of stares at him Sitting for a little on the bit. Ground. That's cut yep. out. I love like the humor takes of the zombies are kind of removed to make it more, more violent and more scary and whatnot. Uh, I know there is, and then there's also a staircut and then recently someone put together a version that combines all three versions yep. yeah. together. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And that's kind of like. Fascinating to watch, but for everyone out there who has not seen Dawn of the Dead, just find the theatrical theatrical cut, because I think that's the great balance. It has the great uh, goblin store, as well as like the library tracks that are used, and I found the whole like mob music just to add so
2: much
1: oh, yeah. fun to the movie. Or the or or the announcer, like the fact that these are canned video or audio yeah. clips that play for advertising like hard candy get your hard candy yeah <laughs> that lady's voice that comes on oh that's great <laughs> what's
0: great too is that this movie is such like a family movie because it was shot in philadelphia <laughs> you used philadelphia yeah. residents there i know that a lot of the residents in there they are just happy to be in the movie. I was listening to the commentary, oh, yeah. and when the actors are saying, "Yeah, all those zombies piled up on each other," they were those were actors just thrilled to do that, and they were staying in this whole room. Uh, they didn't care. Uh, they loved chewing on pig entrails from yeah. the meat markets. <laughs> think
1: about it. Yeah, I mean, you think about the people he's got to be in his movies, even the first one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like in Night where that naked chick is walking yeah. walking there in the middle like some of the things he got people to do in his movies was just like and it's and it's just people's passion and love of him yeah
0: right? well and i think it's fun too because you know i've i know i've seen like Ken Foree and a few other things but oh, yeah. uh, all the other casting this even i've never seen them in any other movies they are just iconic as being in this movie and i want to ask you do you have like a favorite actor from this movie
1: oh yeah by by far it's ken foray uh, okay he's 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 my i love him and he's in a he's in a lot of stuff like he is actually in a, quite a bit of stuff Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's because he put the passion behind it. Whereas I think the other ones, like I think uh, David M. Emge, I, I don't know properly how to pronounce his name. Yeah, I think he got in other sides of the, um, like, I think he kind of wasn't really an actor, which is kind of funny, right? When you think about it, because I've, um, I've met all of them except him through different, you know, horror cons that have come through town. And... Yeah, it's just it's just funny. They just, you know, really didn't have an interest in it per se. And so, yeah, because if you look at their, you know, what they've been in. To your point, Ken Foree made a made a career out of it. Like he's been in a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, like I'm looking right now to one of my favorite actors, maybe because just the characters she played, and that, that's Gillian Ross as Fran. I, yeah. I did enjoy her part of this, and I do not recall seeing her in other things here. Um, I know she directed, like, some documentaries, and she's been very active in the film industry, but I could totally, cause during her commentary, I know she was talking about um, how, when, because uh, this is before Alien, and how she kind of felt like her character was sort of like the first kind of strong woman in horror the way yeah. that she took the oh, reins yeah. a little bit and sort of like just set the pathways for like an Ellen Ripley to happen and I'm not saying that you know she was the ultimate badass that Ellen Ripley was no but yeah. she sort of like just helped things steer along the right path and I just kind of enjoyed that yeah. much about her but what made me good too is the fact that all these actors work well with each other this is definitely an ensemble piece and a lot of times in horror films, you don't really think about having, you know, good or competent actors or good characters or storyline. Most of the time, you just want to be focused on the zombie action and killing. And a lot of times, this sort of element would drag the movie down, but not for this, just because I believe these are real people. Like, I'm hanging out with these real people yeah. put into yeah. this bad situation. I had a feeling if this movie ever uh, did get remade again, they would turn this into like a series, and you would get to learn yeah. more about them, in much more in detail. Now, you read the book, and does that happen in the book? Is it a little bit more? Do they establish no, characters I, a little bit more in the book?
1: Could, no, it's because it's um, it, you know the the book itself is basically a rewrite of the movie. That's okay. what they did back then they, sure. i mean it doesn't I, don't, I think it may happen still happen now but they basically would take the script and the and the movie and then turn that into the book so that it's a readable book as opposed to being a script that you're reading through so yeah no okay. so they didn't really expand the characters but but you know you know, with film for me i uh, because of the the way that characters are developed i i actually don't like it when they do that i didn't i don't like when they take a movie and they make a sequel. Or I don't sure. like the fact that they like. I might be one of my biggest complaints on our podcast that makes me rage all the time mm-hmm. is we don't need enough. Like, there's so much great content. There's something like I I don't know the exact number because it probably changes every year, but every single year there's a million books written or more. Yeah. And you think of yourself like how many. How many sequels of movies have we seen? Like I, I guess, you know, and, and Bryce and I have this disagreement all the time that, you know, he's like, Well, it's a horror movie. We have to have it. No, we don't. In my opinion, like the movie's perfect the way it is. Mm-hmm. We get to know these characters really well. And and I like the I like the thought that I can imagine, use my own imagination as to where they came from from what we were given from Mermero sure. and where they're going to after this movie. I don't need to have a finite ending, like even with Day once what if for people who haven't seen day uh the same thing right like mm-hmm. you don't know and and you know when you watch the remake um the snyder version right yeah it kind of it, it, it ends on a non-hope episode and and romero liked to end things on more of a positive hope yeah for most of the movies right like he he always left it like it could anything could happen <laughs> but leave it on the note that, oh, God, shit, this is going to go wrong. Like in, in Snyder's ver- version, mm-hmm. these people, you know, they're not going to live because they go to the island and the island's fucked, right? Yeah. And, and, and they don't have food. They don't have water. Once they get off that, they're, they're toast. Like it, there's no hope for them, and that, which, you know, is you know if that's the director's vision, I'm happy for mm-hmm. it. But I'd much rather have that vision where it's very neutral, And it's your mind in the space that you see that movie. Every time you see a movie, if you're in a different space, you can take away things from it each time.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I have a few, since you just brought up the uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, I've got a few words about that movie because I do remember seeing that movie in the theaters. And the very first, like, 15 minutes before the opening credits are amazing film work. I was like blown away by that sequence. And then the opening credits come on. I'm like, yes, all right, a little giant Cash. This looks awesome. Totally in the movie. And then it gets to the mall. And for me, it just draped down to the point where it's like, all right, yes, you got some good little, you know, zombie stuff in there. But since the new one, the zombies run, and even though the effects are better, I can't really see what's going on. I mean, it could have just been a big giant purple blur, and I really wouldn't know the difference because mm-hmm. it's just fast paced. And I don't mind fast paced stuff. I thought it looked great in Twenty Eight Days Later,
1: yeah.
0: but uh, I can't really call something dead if it can do if it run faster than me. All right, that's just
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> not not my thing. Yeah.
1: You're but, hardcore on Old School
0: Zombies. I love it. Okay. I, uh, and I mean, I, I, I like the, you know, I, I did watch the second time to catch the references to Dawn of the Dead. Like, they name a store after Galen Ross. Uh, yeah. And I liked uh, having seen cameos from Ken Foree, um, as well as uh, Mr. Uh, sex Machine himself, uh, freaking, um, I can't remember his name, Tom, Tom Savini. Yeah. Ha- he, is the, a, he is a
1: sex machine, man. That guy's a, a, machine i love
0: him <laughs> having him in that movie there uh that was fun i like sort of paulie i like the montage that they had with the uh, you know uh bringing uh, burning the sickness or bring up the sickness that disturbed yeah. Sean. yes that was fun uh, but it just didn't have any weight because the characters i didn't feel they were as well established as well, that's version. what happens
1: when you have that big of a cast, right? Like there was too many characters yeah. in it, and and so you, you it gets the characters get you know watered down. They they he, Snyder's version has has a couple characters that you get to know, mm-hmm. right? You get to know um, uh, Sarah Polly's yep. character, and you get to know uh, the the cop, his character. But, but yeah. to your point, I think when you have too many characters, you can't truly develop those characters and it, it, it changes what the movie is about. So for me, I mean, zombies is my favorite genre sure. of horror film. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cool with all kinds of zombies. I, I get the people that love, you know, the slow moving zombies. Cause that's what I grew up on. Mm hmm. But I'm cool with running zombies. I, I imagine it's got to be pretty painful for those zombies running, running with uh, rigor mortis setting in. But I imagine the, the the ones that are running are the only ones. Like I, I, that's the thing that Snyder could have shown, right? If you know they fast forwarded, but his his movie happens probably over a period of two weeks, right? It's probably yeah. 28 days later too, probably right? Because you see what happens in the first day; the whole world is ended, and and then they get into the the, the mall, and it's kind of like you don't know yeah. how long really they're there. As long as it takes to run out of milk, yeah. Then they're then they're out. Yeah. Then they got to do a change, right?
0: But I, I will say this though: I, I'm glad that the remake didn't try to do an exact copy of Romero's, and it does have some. Good elements in there. I I look at it as like this. Remember, like when the band Limp Bizkit covered Faith. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a fun little cover right there. I don't yeah. think it takes it away from George Michael's original version. You know, yep. they're just two different versions of a song. Yep. And I still think that uh, the original is a classic. Uh, all right, Jim, we dive into your scene of Dawn the Dead. Now, this is the scene when Peter first meets Roger. It's the moment when they're actually at the apartment complex, and we found out that the zombies are in that complex that the uh, residents have kept hidden, and they actually have to go into this basement area and kill a bunch of zombies that apparently this apartment complex has been feeding them dead bodies. And <laughs> yeah I'm just kind of curious Jim why did you choose a sequence?
1: Well I, I think because I think this mo- this this scene in particular really sets the tone of what this movie is there's a there's a line that uh, Ken Foray's character um, Peter says later in the movie that's the most famous line from it right when uh, the Dead,
2: where there's uh, no more room exactly. in hell, the, hell, the, the, dead, will walk the, the earth. dead will
1: walk the earth. Yes, thank you. I mean, that's a classic line, but mm-hmm. it's one person's line. And there's not another moment I found in this movie that really does kind of sum up the whole thing. And what the, the priest says that kind of ends ends the, closes the scene kind of gives you, you know, the picture of humanity and what the true message that Romero is trying to get across with this film. So that's why... And, and, you know, the fact that uh, it's the first time that uh, when you see the movie and you watch the scene of the tension, because it's like, you know, Roger just saw his friend blow his own brains out. He just saw a whole bunch of shit go down and basically just goes downstairs to have a cigarette and just mm-hmm. take the chill off. And, and then he gets confronted by this dude who's, you know, he doesn't know anything about him. And he's just this giant presence because he's that he's a big, large Man, he doesn't know anything about him. And what I love about this is that instantly there's this connection. And Romero does this so well, And especially in Night of the Living Dead, the fact that he made a black character the lead. And the same with this one. It's like you can tell they're brothers. There's no – in the script, when you read the script, I actually changed some of the – they actually, in the script when I pulled it directly down, they don't name Peter because he hasn't introduced himself. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so they refer to him as the black man, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that it doesn't mean anything to Roger, because they're just brothers. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So for that, for that, for that alone, it's worth it. But but I think this this picture really paints the story of what Romero's trying to get across.
0: Well, because yeah, I can imagine too, like live in a situation where your loved ones. changing it's like we said about you know kind of covid and whatnot somebody gets infected you don't want to just dispose of them right away you want to try and help them out and i can imagine if zombies were to come and pass people people are quick to say well that ever happens i can easily shoot my relative in the head
1: no it's not that easy it's not that easy
0: just because especially um with i want to say i think it was it yeah i think it was like uh roger After he gets bitten and he starts to change, he slowly changes. And I can imagine, too, Mm. if someone does get bit, they don't change right away. You're thinking in your mind, well, there's probably a way to save them. I'm sure scientists will come up with something. All we got to do is keep them alive for a little bit longer. Keep them – there's going to be something here that happens. And when it turns out there's not, you still have the hope and believe in yourself and your family. You still want to try to believe – Even if it's not actually true, you want to just try to, like, look for that little silver lining. Like, there's something there, and I'm pretty sure that's what the residents of this town, or I should say, this apartment complex, felt when they were feeding them everywhere. Okay. All right. Uh, Are you you ready?
1: I'm ready.
0: Are you ready to uh, be an actor?
1: Sure, why not?
0: All right. We are now going to present Cinema Recall Players Presents... Let's hear that old school theme song. All right, everyone, welcome to Cinema Recall Players Presents Dawn
2: of the Dead.
0: This time, I am going to be playing the narrator and the priest, and Jim here is going to be playing the parts of Peter and Roger. Okay, hold on. Get myself all lubricated up here.
1: Oh, yeah, let's get lubed, baby.
0: Uh, mm. <laughs> all right. Dark fire stair, it is very quiet. Roger bursts through a metal door from one of the halls and falls against the stair railing. He is wretched. He breathes heavily to contain himself.
1: <clears throat>
0: he removes his mask and coughs slightly from the gas mist, which still clings to the air.
1: You're not alone, brother.
0: Roger. Titan, grabbing for his gun. The voice is present very nearby. Roger looks up. Sitting on the stairs above him is the trooper who shot Worley. His rifle is aimed at Roger.
1: You was in Woolley's unit. I didn't see nothing. I didn't see how he died.
0: Roger slings his rifle so the trooper relaxes and lowers his gun. He removes his gas mask. You running? Peter shrugs. He hasn't decided.
1: I I, I just don't mean because of Wooly. I I just mean because of... Yeah, I know. There's a... A lot of people running. I could run.
0: Roger stares up at the grim-faced man.
1: I could run tonight.
0: Peter just stares levelly into Roger's eyes.
1: A friend of mine's got a helicopter. He does traffic for JAS. Got a helicopter, and he's running up with it. Asked me to come. Peter smiles. You think it's right to run?
0: Peter shrugs again, then he stands and walks down the stairs. He turns past Roger on the landing and continues down into the lingering gas mist. Roger follows. A few landings down, a noise. The two troopers freeze. The stairwell is dark. The noise grows louder. The troopers ready their weapons. The sounds are a little screeching thumps, like the roaring footfalls of someone, something, trying to negotiate the stairs. There's a low, wheezing sound of labored breath. <sighs> The two men stare at the landing below. Pierre steps forward slightly, trying not to make a sound. Suddenly a figure pops out of the darkness. It falls against the wall below. Both troopers raise their guns. The figure pulls away from the wall. In the mist, its shape is ghostly, robed in black. It sees the troopers.
2: Please! Let me pass!
0: The voice weakens into a low wheezing cough. The freighter slumps and sits on the stairs, clinging to the railing. It is an old priest, obviously from a local parish. Roger stoops next to the old man, who is struggling to keep his breath. He is wary. He seems to be near death. He clutches at his chest. Roger tries to support him.
1: Let's
2: get him to the next. No! No! Please! Just <clears throat> let me pass! My sister... I go up to 7th floor to find my sister.
1: They're taking everybody, damn. They probably brought her
2: down. Come on. <coughs> my sister, she's dead. They tell me the dead, they do not bring down.
0: Roger and Peter shoot glances at one another.
2: Please, just let me pass. Martinez is dead. The people of 107 will do... What you wish now. These simple people, but strong. They have little, but they do not give it up easily. And they give up their dead to no one. (coughs) (coughs) Many have died on these
0: streets in the last week. In the basement of this building, you'll find them. The troopers are shot. The priest struggles to his feet.
2: I have given them their last rites. Now, you do
0: what you will. The old man starts up the stairs. Roger moves to help him, but Peter stops him. The priest weaves up through the gas mist, coffin.
2: <coughs> you are stronger than us, but soon, I think they will be stronger than you. The
0: old man's voice shows up off the stairwells. As he disappears in the cloud.
2: When the dead walk, my friends, we must stop the killing, or we lose the war.
0: Okay, and see that was the best that I could do with the. Uh, you did awesome, buddy. <laughs> for like doing that for the first time right there. Ah, oh, goddamn was it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you probably know those two there, you know, I wanted to, like, you know, remove person who says, he discovers the a black yeah. man and what out there, because yeah. we're just two white dudes just talking about this film, we love the movie, Uh yeah. I have got no qualms. Uh, I know for our mates, I was living dead. I had a white guy uh, uh, play um, the, the character from the first movie. Ben. And ben, thank ben, you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we... Yeah, so there it was.
1: I get it. I get it. It's one of those things, the same things with uh, the comment about the uh, it seems like because the because the apartment house was a lot of Puerto Ricans, right? Mm, yep. So I know there was a comment around that too. It's it's funny how, especially in a readback, it doesn't really matter. Yep. When people see the movie, they're gonna know. And it's it, it's interesting when you think of the history of this movie and go back even tonight around the commentary that that you know Romero slyly would always say he didn't cast a black man to be. Counter to subculture at the time but you know he's got to have thought that through he's got you know right so same thing with this like i think romero always had this ability to to look at equality in ways that he would put strong female characters he would put people of color in his film he he was i mean you grow up in philly you see a lot of people Mm-hmm. A matter of all different races right so yeah. uh, that's another reason why he's one of my favorite directors of all time
0: and i can't believe i forgot the guy's name dwayne jones who played ben
1: yeah, so yeah, okay. yeah.
0: Uh, shout out to you uh dwayne jones wherever you are right now that's uh awesome all right uh well i've got nothing else to say about dawn of the dead i give it a five out of five stars what would you rate dawn of the dead if you had to give it a rate ah. oh
1: I would give it a Mondo on my podcast, but on yours, I'm giving it a 5 out of 5 also.
0: Okay, sweetest. Well, we, we did this finals too, but I kind of do like a star system on there. Uh, I like the fact – I know a lot of people are going to watch it, and they're going to be like, well, the special effects are hokey. They're not as yeah. good. And that's fine, but I love the movie because of the storyline. Like I said before, I saw this right around the same time as the remake came out, and I know that effect's still a bit better as years go on but i was just so engaged with all the characters the storyline of this that i just freaking love every moment of it um if what would you is there like the another romero movie that you would post next to this if you could like if you had a nice what would be a nice, nice little follow-up to this if people were interested
1: well you know he, he's known for being the godfather of zombies but He's done some amazing movies in his years. If you ever get a chance to see the movie Martin, I would highly suggest you see that because, in my opinion, it's it's also very it's also very brilliant. He's uh, it's his it's his vampire. So he it's funny. It's like he's kind of redoing the um, uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, you know the horror original classic horror monsters from uh, what's the produ- production Liverpool? house? Yeah, Universal. Because he did zombies, right? Yeah. Which obviously the zombies of old, uh, Universal was not the same as when Romero changed that direction. But then he did Martin, which is a, his version of a vampire movie, and then he does one about witches, which obviously isn't part of uh, of it. So I think he kind of started down that that vein. Okay. Is uh, and my you know every single one of his movies to me are perfect in their own right. Absolutely. I just was lucky enough to see the amusement park uh, recently in Drive In. It was just released back in the summertime, and no one had ever seen it before. Oh, sure. Other than, you know, top secret copies of it. But they released it uh, to wide release, and that's it's it's like nothing you've ever seen.
0: <laughs> okay. I know it's on the show right now, so I'm curious about that. But did you read that they're releasing a director's cut version of Martin? Like an all no. new, they're releasing. A, it's going be a, it's a black and white cut, but like a longer oh, version, like a different version, like a different oh. cut of Martin.
1: Yeah, so maybe watch that one when it comes out because I, I, I think everything he does is brilliant. He's just, he's just got an amazing mind for film, and yeah, Martin is probably up there for one of my favorites of his as well.
0: I like, so. I like creep show. I like creep show a lot.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that was a, a partnership, right? With Stephen uh, King. So he's, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, the fact that Stephen King called him out to do it was was pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. That um, I don't know. I think I think King is a is a Nor'wester too, right? Like he lives in I think New England or somewhere yeah. around there. So it's probably like, hey, my brother from Philly.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, very cool, uh, Jim. Thank you so so much for being on this episode and hosting your acting chops. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, tell the listeners out there about what's going on with the Film Rage podcast.
1: Yeah, so so for us, just anytime you want to know a new movie release that's coming out, just listen to our podcast because it'll you know you'll see what we think of the movies because we we catch it opening night cool. and then our podcast is released on the following Wednesday. So not everybody's as hardcore to see the movies and cinemas that we are. So it gives them a chance whether or not they think it's worth it to see it.
0: I love it. I love it. Very cool. All right. And as for cinema recall, I know that our next episode, I believe I'm going to be featuring Chuck and Brad from the Chuck and Brad podcast. Uh, Trying to figure out right time with them. I'm going to be hopefully bringing back my friend Ashley, who came with me to the Rhode Island Comic Con and we're going to be joined by all of them to talk about Christmas stuff, Christmas movies, Christmas specials. It's a special Christmas tape episode. Before I do go, I do got to give a shout-out to our wonderful Patreon subscribers. If you're a Patreon member, you hear these episodes ahead of everyone else. And in no special order, I want to thank my Patreon subscribers. So, big shout-out and thank you to Jeanette Miller-Bickenham at A.K.A. Jeanette. Thank you very much. I want to thank... Jason Soto at uh, Famous Comedian. That's where you can find him on Twitter. Forgot to mention this. Jason Soto of whatever with Jason Soto. Find all the shows over at rabbitholepodcast.com. My fault. My, I'm sorry. My bad. Thank you, Jason. I want to thank Matt and Ashley from Matchly at the Movies. They're following on Twitter at Ashley Movies. I want to thank Donnie Roberts uh, from Vidurama Pod. He's at Under Goals i to thank Linda Castro, also from Vigorama Pod, and she plays the voice of Vincent Halverson in Forza Crowd, the other podcast I edit for. Thank you very much, Linda. Uh, she's following me on Twitter, at VigoramaP. And then, I want to thank Boomer. Uh, Boomer on Twitter, at Jump Back. Thank you so much, Boomer. And then, lastly, I want to thank Chris Revel. of well, Let's Chat with Chris Revel. Thank you very much, buddy, for your support and all that. Uh, don't forget, patreon.com slash cinema recall pod uh go to cinema recall.net find us through all your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a review on uh, we call it here PodChaser and apple podcasts uh, send us an email cinema recall at gmail.com that's it right now i'm the Vern. going to sign up right now big shout and thank you to jim from film rage and we will all see you uh, very soon
2: thank you good night